0: Today is actually an interview um, with an amazing lady. Her name is Jessie, and her podcast is called This Is My Truth.
1: Someone asked me recently, like, who are you? And I said, I'm figuring out who I am, and I hope that I always am. Like, I, I am someone who is a work in progress.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today is actually an interview that I did um, with an amazing lady uh, that I met back at a women's conference. It was the last place I traveled to, (laughs) and we talk about that a little bit um, in the interview, but this is an interview that I did with her, and she also interviewed me on her podcast around the same time. And um, her name is Jessie and her podcast is called This Is My Truth. And she has a gut-wrenching story about fertility, but the more she's stepped into it and shared it, and it has been really life-changing for her to share her story and to empower other women and just make sure that women don't feel alone. And we talk about trauma and how your trauma is your trauma versus someone else's trauma. And no matter what, is still relevant to you, even if the person you're talking to seems to have it way worse than you my point is it's a very intriguing conversation. I think she's really inspiring. Um, I'm not going to give any of the story away, but when you listen to it, you will be like, holy shit. So we had a great conversation and here it is. And I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited for today's interview. It's my friend, Jesse, another fellow podcaster from, um, this is my truth podcast where she really breaks down things and gets super vulnerable about her truth and really creates a safe container for other women to share their truths. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: I am so, so excited to have this conversation, Katie. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So a little bit of background,
0: uh, the first time we met, I guess it was back in February, right before the world ended as we knew it. Yes. yes. When I think back to that event, we had went to, um, all woman, women's like one day, two day kind of retreat where we got to really come together, um, talk about like desires that we had, brave actions. We wanted to take some of our next steps and really just create this space to support each other and everything we needed. When I think back to that space, it feels like a lifetime ago. It
1: truly does. <laughs> like the fact that I got on the plane somewhere. And went somewhere seems crazy to me now. <laughs> I
0: know. I think that was the last place I went out of the state before quarantine. I'm pretty
1: sure. It was like what the first week of February. I had a few work meetings after that. I I was supposed to have a crazy first quarter and travel every week. And I just remember the first week of March, I was supposed to go to Seattle. And I was like, "Mm, I think I'm going to skip this trip. And then it just crumbled from there. From there. That's all my work
0: trips were in January. And when I went to that event, that was actually my third week in a row traveling. So I was a little bit of a hot mess at that But um, the one thing I always remember is the moment Jesse got up in front of the room and like shared her story and we can get into that a little bit on the podcast, but it was really powerful. And I think that was a big moment for a lot of women and probably for you, a defining moment of the power and importance of sharing our stories.
1: Yeah, it was a long time coming. So I'll give you some, some context on me. I The way that I think about my life is for the longest time, I allowed society and myself to define me by labels. So I grew up in a really small town on Long Island, like about less than 5,000 people small, and not many people left. And so I was sort of the label, the black sheep. I went to school in Boston. (laughs) <laughs> and then from there, I did not move back to said small town, which is typically what happens when you leave. And I was offered a job at a tech company. And I uh, made the decision to move to the Midwest without knowing anybody. Like, in fact, I remember telling people when I w- that I was going to move to Ann Arbor. People were like, where is that? Like, what, what <laughs> state is that in? And, you know, so I at from that point forward, worked at Google and I've been there for the last 13 years. And so I was just, I was the Googler, like, right. That's like how my parents would introduce me. That's how they would tell their friends. And then I became a wife and then I became someone who struggled with infertility. And eventually I became a mom. And what I realized is I lost me. I had lost who I was and my voice. And I, The best way to describe it was I just went through the motions and I spent many years of my life going through the motions. And the odd thing when I tell people this is they say, but Jess, you know, when we, on the outside, you looked like you you had everything, like you had a really good job. You were really, you know, you are successful in your career. You have a house, you live in the city, like you, you're going on these vacations and, you know, one, that's, you know, what I was allowing people to see first and foremost. Yeah. And two, again, it was people's perceptions of me, but what they couldn't see was, you know, the, the way that I dealt with things was I would just compartmentalize. And so for me, you know, going through infertility was a really hard journey um, I felt a lot of shame as a woman in not being able to like quote unquote do what my body was supposed to do and then when I finally became pregnant we were having twins and we ultimately found out in my second trimester that my son was very very sick and we had to make a decision and we made a decision that ultimately saved my daughter's life and my life but cost us the life of our son. And I didn't deal with it. I just sort of like, again, shoved it down. In fact, um, I went to work like three days later Mm. um, because that's the way that I dealt with things. And it wasn't until you know I had my second daughter and my girls are 23 months apart that I was brushing my teeth. I will never forget this moment. I was brushing (laughs) my teeth with my electric toothbrush. It was like 6.03 in the morning. This is like how specific I remember it. And my husband just looks at me and he's like, are you happy? And normally, I would just, you know, like, be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I'm brushing my teeth. I got I to just, work. yeah, right. Like, I just mm-hmm. blurted out the truth, which was no. And I, it scared me, and it scared him, and it was my moment of, oh shit! Like, I need, I need help. I need, I need something. And when I got honest with myself, I was craving connection, but I couldn't create connection if I wasn't being honest with myself or with others and so it started this journey of healing and grieving because I never dealt with you know you have to grieve it I believe you have to grieve in fertility that journey and then ultimately Mm -hmm. what happened with our son Clark and um so that event in February was Sort of, I know we were just talking about this, it's sort of like my Phoenix rising, where I had worked through some things. I had been sharing my story in small pockets, but it was my first time sharing it in a large group of frankly strangers. Yeah. And it was just this empowering, freeing moment. And it was also my aha moment where we all, I truly believe we all have moments that make us feel alone or isolated. Mm-hmm. and so many of us if you if you're like me and you're listening and you're like me like so many of us just shove those moments down and 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 or don't know who to turn to or don't know where to go to and you know while no one's experience is going to be a hundred percent alike right like our our experiences are all unique in our own there are common threads throughout all of that and so it started me on this journey and I'd be lying if I didn't say like you helped inspire me of creating a platform where, you know, people could share their truth where they felt like they could have a safe space to, to let people know how they were feeling in that moment or an experience that they went through. Because, you know, if one person is comfortable sharing their story, even if it helps one other person, that's one other person who then may feel you know, be able to see empathy or have an empathetic experience with somebody, or or share their truth, and like it snowballs, right? And so, if mm-hmm. it's just one person, that one person can become another person, another person, and then you have this. You know, my my goal, my big dream is that my girls can be living in a world, in a society, in a culture where they can have difficult conversations and not be assholes. <laughs> that's <hard laughs> stop. Like, God, that's, that's
0: my motto. I tell people at work, I was like, I want my kids to not be assholes when you interact with them and the future at their job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's
1: it. That's, that's what I'm trying to do.
0: <laughs> so that there's, I have the chills. There's so much stuff that you said right there. That's amazing to unpack. First, I will start with your story and it's so, so powerful. And we talked about this a little bit. Um, I'm glad you use the word isolating because when you were talking, that's all I could think. I was like, God, that must've felt so isolating because that story is so polarizing when you tell people, they don't know how to react. And it's almost like it's more work for you because now you're helping someone feel better about your story right now. You're be- trying to be like, Oh, don't be upset about my terrible story. And that's gotta be so emotionally draining. And so, kudos to you, though, for recognizing it, honoring it, and for sharing it on this podcast. Like, thank you. That's so powerful. Um, and I truly believe it's part of the healing journey in and of itself. And when I think back, when you said, like, so when we were at that event at Alive and you shared that, that was the first time you ever shared it with that many people at once. That's so amazing because we're from where I was sitting and I was in the front row. <laughs> I don't even know why. I just know that I was. <laughs> Uh, um I, I think I
1: was like a row behind you though. Like, <laughs> let's be honest.
0: I was like, well, I okay, I know why I was sitting there because the chair had this cute little fur thing on and I wanted to sit on it. And it was on my third week in travel and I was like, I'm doing whatever I want. I don't care anymore. But oh um <sighs> when I was looking at you, when I, I didn't think about this until I just heard you share the story again and I kind of like flash back to being in that space when I was watching you say this and watching you share that story. I mean it was v- so amazing and powerful and i'm pretty sure there wasn't like a dry eye in the room everyone was feeling it but also when i say that i didn't feel like there was a sadness i felt like it was power and when i was looking at you all i saw was strength and i think that's like what everyone felt in that room is like it was so powerful and healing and cleansing for everybody to witness it be your witness for that truth and for you to share it and again, I think that some of the power is just like witnessing someone and like to be seen is just so, so amazing. And so thank you.
1: Well, I love what you just said there because it's so hard. I've had so many conversations with women and it's funny when I started my podcast, I like made a list. I was like, okay, who are, who are people that like, I, that have like truths that they've talked to me about. And I had this list of, I'm not kidding you when I say 40 people and I probably could have kept going. And when I started to reach out to people, it was really interesting like reactions. And some people would be like, it's so amazing. It's so vulnerable what you're doing. You're so brave. Like I'm not ready yet. And I 100% respect that um, because you have to be able to work through your own shit before you're ready to share. I 100% mm-hmm. agree with that. But, what is really interesting is this like you have your story you and you you know that it will help other people, but going from that point to like sharing is scary mm-hmm. and what I want to be able to show people through modeling through this podcast is and this platform is it doesn't have to be scary. Like I get it. Like your brain is wired to protect you. So like your brain is automatically don't share, don't share, don't share. You're going to get shamed. We're going to get like trolls. And believe me, I I went through all of that myself. But there is, if there's like one thing I could tell women and men, because I think that men too probably feel even more isolated for certain stories. Mm -hmm. 100%. Is that there is such power when you are on the other side of sharing your moment. And so even if it is you just writing something out and and that's like your way of dealing with, like you are owning your story because what I found is that when I wasn't owning my story, when I wasn't owning my journey with, to motherhood, when I wasn't owning, you know, with what happened with Lucy and Clark, someone else was writing my story for me Mm. and you lose your voice, you lose your power. And so for me, I can only speak for like my own experience and then also just feedback from other women as I've been teaching them sort of the techniques that I use to, to get through that is that there is an, there is inherently a feeling of power and aliveness that comes when you start to own some of that but it's hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, but I do want people to know that even if it's, you're just sharing with yourself, like you're being honest with yourself, like there's power there.
0: Oh, that was so
1: good. So you're going to to take me back to
0: that when you said, what you realized was that if you weren't sharing your story, you were allowing someone else to share it and write it. Can you unpack that? a little bit, maybe for someone who's like, Ooh, that's intriguing, but I'm not quite sure what that means. I feel like I struggle with that sometimes. And this is another question I want to get to in a minute. (laughs) When people tell me like, you need to love yourself or you need to be at peace with yourself. That makes complete honest sense to me and in a certain moment. But if I'm past that moment or if I'm in an emotional state, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I do not know how to love myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really trying to dig in when someone says something that Really resonates with me. I'm like, okay, I want to unpack that a little bit more. So when I am in a little bit of the spiral, slow, I can like rise above it. And like, if I sink into myself and rise above my ego, how, like, what's that one thing that I can like grab on to? Like, what's that one rock on this cliff that I can grab on to? Like, if you can unpack that just a little bit more for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so what I'm like, I can think of like one specific example. So before I was really honest with what the journey was with Lucy and Clark, I used to just tell people, you know, I struggled through infertility. We were having twins. You know, I was in my second trimester and I lost Clark. And it allowed people, you know, I was honest, which is like mm-hmm. all of that was true. But what I, what I realized was that it created a space for people to like make up their own version of what happened to Clark. Right. Got it. it could have been, um, his, you know, a heartbeat. So, like it, it could have been an, a various degrees of things that had happened. And when me not owning the, shit show <laughs> like of what of what that journey was for us of weeks of tests and ups and downs and hopes and despair i wasn't being honest and i wasn't honoring his life and I believe that everything happens for a reason. And sometimes you have no idea what the fuck that reason is in the moment. Um, And I remember like going, I remember going through infertility and then, you know, like you have this such a high when you finally get that like pregnancy positive blood test after a journey of infertility. And then to have that all come crashing down when we, found out what was wrong with Clark. And, you know, he was brought to me for a reason. Like I went through this journey and I now can realize a part of it was to be able to speak my truth and, and own that. But when I wasn't fully, and again, like I, I I have boundaries, right? Like I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of like all of that. Like I, when I say that you have to share, you know, when you share your truth, like you have to be authentic to yourself in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because when you're not doing that, we all create stories, right? Like we all have judgments and like Mm -hmm. intentional or not, or conscious or not. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was this, Uh aha that if I wasn't at least giving the story that was true our truth someone was creating it for me and then I wasn't honoring myself or my son and you know he taught me a lot and I didn't it took me a long time it took me like another like four years to realize like what he taught me Mm -hmm. but um I, would, I wasn't doing him any service or honoring him by by not sharing the truth
0: that is the key word like that you used in the beginning was the word honor when you said that I was like that's it like when you were saying I was letting them like figure, think in their head oh maybe he lost his heartbeat oh maybe whatever. And then you said, but then I wasn't honoring him by not sharing that piece of the story that this is, that's literally, that's all I need interview ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's my gym for the day. That's so powerful when that's just another, you know, shows just the power of that vulnerability is that you're not and God, this goes back to a lot of my stuff and like external validation is you're not doing it for them. You're really doing it for yourself. But so often we always think we're doing something for someone else or, but you're really doing it for yourself. And, um, wow, that was amazing.
1: Well, and I go back to what you were saying when you're in your spiral and like, let's be honest, I'm in spirals a lot too. Like I think sometimes people think that like when you're in a self-realization or self-discovery journey that like you're healed, (laughs) there's no no healing, right? Like someone asked me recently, like, who are you? And I said, I'm figuring out who I am and I hope that I always am. Like I, I am someone who is a work in progress and I believe I truly hope that I'm always a work in progress and when you are spiraling and it's so hard to get out of that spiral, I think it is about just pausing and asking yourself, like, what do I need in this moment? Like, and then honoring it. And sometimes it might be like, you know, I, I need, I just need a. A break, or I need a walk, or I need I need to continue down the spiral and hit rock bottom, so that I can figure out how to get myself back up. But, and I say this because I need to remind myself of this. It's it's what do you what do you need in that moment, and then honoring and truly honoring yourself.
0: Oh, that's I'm sorry, I'm taking notes. If so you're wondering <laughs> what I was saying, um. I I think that's powerful what you just said is like, I'm really saying this for myself. I feel like every single time I hit record on my microphone for that podcast, I'm literally talking to myself, like every piece of advice, every tip that I get, every mantra that I come up with is so self-serving while I'm also hoping that I'm impacting that one other person who needed to hear that today. And. And whatever space they needed to hear that, because whatever they're dealing with is equal, the same as what I'm dealing with, even if it's not the same, if that makes sense. It Um,
1: does. It it totally makes sense.
0: Whatever your trauma is that week, whatever your struggle is during quarantine, whatever your struggle was, is with protest, whatever that is, however it relates to you. Um, And I really love the word honor. And I was writing that down for myself (laughs) because I think that's a big... um, that's a big piece to it, and i I don't think we're like going back to the very beginning when you said you were a label label, right you're always a label, and I always said I was a box checker. I still probably am a little bit um it's like we were taught like if I check all these boxes, the American dream equals happiness. Yeah. what I'm finding out is that's not true. those things will not make me happy like. To make me happy, I have to know who I am inside and no thing, no person, nothing outside of myself can do that. And no one, and maybe someone else has better people around them than I do, but no one has ever said that to me. No one has ever said like the American dream is not actually what's going to make you happy. And I just use that word lightly because I don't know another way to phrase like the checking of the boxes. And that's just so powerful. And when you use the word honor, I feel like that's a fantastic way to kind of peel it back a little bit and get to that.
1: I, it's funny. Cause like when you say the American dream, like, so right now I, um, I've been doing a lot of work recently around money and sort of um, my issues around money and my issues around money are, um, I have done really well for myself and it feels really uncomfortable for me to say, because Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to admit that, right? Like society tells you you're, you're not supposed to. And I also come from, an extremely loving family, but my dad only has this associate's degree and had been able to rise up in his company. He was at the same company for 35 years. Um, my mom, you know, was one of three daughters and my grandfather didn't believe women should go to school. And, you know, she ended up like getting a master's degree, which was like much to my grandfather's chagrin and mm-hmm. paid for it all herself. Right. And so I come from this, like I have a lot of baggage and guilt, around the fact that I have been quote unquote successful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my husband has like a whole nother host of issues around money. Right. And so what has been interesting in going through that is thinking about like, what, what is it? for me, like how, what, what does money mean for me? And like, this is like a tan, like, this is like a weird example. So I apologize, but like it's (laughs) tangible, right. (laughs) Where there's so much pressure from society that says that, you know, to be quote unquote successful, you have to make a certain amount of money or you have to like, and I recognize I say this with so much privilege attached Mm -hmm. to it. Um, especially as a white cisgendered female, and that's part of my guilt, right? Like, the, there's, yeah. like that's what adds on to it. And so um, I, I say this again, because I, I need the reminder of it's It's like coming back to yourself um, and f- honoring what that means to you. And then here's the key, being comfortable with the fact that society is going to tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that is fucking hard right yeah. to be able to stand in your own skin comfortably and say everyone around me is telling me I shouldn't be suc- I shouldn't I shouldn't be you know gloat and it's not like I'm going to gloat about money but like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be talking about money I shouldn't be um m- you know I should be comfortable with what I have I should be thankful and grateful which I am for what I have right but being okay with whatever it is I decide that is right for me. And that might be different than my husband. That might be different than my family. That might be different, but being okay to stand in my own truth when it comes to that, it's hard. Yeah. But it's so important. Yes.
0: That's, that's really powerful. I love what you said about being comfortable with everyone around you being uncomfortable and knowing that that's going to be, That that's a thing that that exists. And I think that's where, why I was saying the other day that self-awareness is your superpower because you have to have that self-awareness and it's not easy. Like when I was saying earlier, I really believe my goal on earth is to change like beliefs, societal beliefs, whether that's feminism, racism, whatever that is. Um, but it's so fucking hard And like for me, like right now, and I've touched on this a little bit on the podcast, but I I haven't gone too deep into it. But like with the movement right now and being like an interracial family, when as young, and this goes so far back. I mean, like literally, like for me, this goes really far back. But but when I made that decision, especially to get married and have kids and be an interracial family, like I knew everyone wasn't gonna be okay with it. And like I was fine with that. But sometimes you're like fuck, I just want to not be fine with this. And I don't want to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, but that's why I think it's so powerful, like to know, like, okay, I just got to check in with myself and honor myself because I also know I don't want to be the person who wasn't real to myself and got married to someone that society said I should have been married to and knowing, And when I was younger, that was so much easier (laughs) to say, well, I don't want to make this decision to make everyone else happy because I knew in my heart if I woke up next to a person every day that I wasn't truly attracted to or loved, I was making everyone else happy. And so that's awesome. I love that you said you just have to be comfortable with, with that.
1: Well, and I think what you just said is like, it's amazing that you realize that at such a young age, right? Because I don't know how many of us actually can do that or do do that because of so many cultural, right. Like I, I think about a conversation that I had with a very, very dear friend um, on my podcast who, you know, didn't honor herself, married her ex-husband And it wasn't until many years later that she had her daughter and realized that, you know, she wasn't being authentically herself and is now married to her wife for the last six years, like that, you know, she's so great. Like she wouldn't give up any of that time with her ex. Um, But I think about so many people, like her story is unique to her, but Mm -hmm. common, in different yeah. ways. And so the fact that you had that that rec- self-awareness and then also that strength to be able to say like fuck it, like I know myself <laughs> and this is the choice that I'm making is amazing. Thank you.
0: I think that's a part of my journey and I think I just realized this right now I'm talking to you no pun intended. Um <laughs> I I think back, and I've talked about this a little bit, like I think back to the moment, like when I went to college and I went to college for fashion and everybody's like, that's stupid. You're never going to get a job. I knew so deeply who I was as a person in my teenage college years. And then the second I bought into who I should be, w- what a mother, and for me, I always take it back to motherhood and I don't know why, but for me, that was like my thing. And um, I don't have a, um, we had a, it took us longer than I thought to get pregnant with my son and we had multiple miscarriages. Um, we never got past the point where we even got, uh, far too far along, but like that was a little bit of our journey. um, And I think that's really where it started for me. And like when you had said something like, oh, my body can't do what my body was supposed to do. And I truly, when I go back and I like say what, I have so many defining moments, but when I go back, I can truly believe like that was the moment, like literally just the day probably I decided. So kids, like that was the moment. I think I honestly fucking... Let down my guard and forgot who the hell I was um, because I started putting my fate in everyone else's hands. I started letting doctors tell me how I should eat and feel if I wanted to get pregnant. And then I'm not even going to bring like my relationship issues into this. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> talk about my motherhood <laughs> issues. And then that. I started to buy into society because these doctors know better than me. They know what vitamins I should be taking, what food I should be eating and not eating in order to get pregnant. And I was only 27. And so in my mind, I thought this should be fucking easy to get pregnant, right? Because I spent my whole life trying not to get pregnant. Oh my God. I I was a teenage and like, yes, like I get it. (laughs) And I think when I, if I'm really honest with myself, I think that was the moment that I really started letting other people fucking tell me what to do. That was the moment that I stopped trusting myself because I didn't know how to get pregnant and I didn't know how to be a mom. And then once I had him, then I, that's when shit really started yeah. to fall apart. And I don't think it was until 2018 when i felt true blown depression for the first time in my life that I realized I was not I had completely let myself forget who I was and being a bold person, right? Being a loud person, being the extrovert, you never get, people never think that you have a down day. People just see this outward confidence and then you live up to it because that's what people expect of you to be the leader, to do this, to do that. And when I'm like, but none of that was, not that that part wasn't me because that's very ingrained in my personality, but none of it was authentic, like, to who I was so
1: thank you (laughs) well and I think it's interesting that you pick motherhood and motherhood is amazing on so many levels but it's also mind fuck on so many levels and I think it's really important to admit that and as you were talking I could actually pinpoint I don't know if this is like the exact moment that I lost myself but I so um my husband is older than me and we got married late by Midwestern standards, which being a New Yorker at heart, I was like, people don't get married till 30. Like what is wrong with all of you? Um, which is a judgment. I acknowledge that, but like, um, it was very odd for me to like move to the Midwest and, and realize that so much of what I had been ingrained in me was so vastly different. Um, and so I remember, like, I was the same way. Like, I was always super strong, super independent, super Mm -hmm. confident. Um, And we get married. And, like, it wasn't conscious. But, like, somehow in our relationship, all of a sudden, like, I started to do all the meals. We got a puppy. And I took two weeks off from work to, like, raise the puppy. And we decided to buy our first house. And I took two weeks off again to, like schedule the move right and I somehow started to take on all of this shit. Yes, that wasn't what I had signed up for frankly. <laughs> um yeah. but I also like I did it. Like I was I subconsciously started to take it on and I remember us having this like full-blown argument <laughs> sitting like there's like boxes everywhere and the table and me just being honest and saying like, I didn't sign up for this. Like somehow I have taken on like the role of like, quote unquote, the perfect wife. And like, this isn't me. And I don't like, I don't want this. I don't like this. And, you know, like it was, it was in that moment that I think I started to, like, I realized it, but I, again, like when I, then when we started our whole infertility journey, It like picked back up. And so it's so interesting that like consciously or unconsciously, like you pick up roles that society tells you. Yes. And I think those of us that are lucky enough to like have our aha moments and fight, because that's what it is. It's fighting, I believe. It's fighting for who you truly are. And have the privilege and the support, frankly, to be able to, um, do that because let's be honest, self-discovery work isn't cheap, no, unfortunately. <laughs> and so like, there is some privilege in that. Yeah. Um, not just some, there is a lot of privilege in that. No. And so, you know, it, like, and I'm grateful, like I'm grateful you know, do I wish that I had had this aha moment, you know, when I was not 35 years old and maybe like 25 years old, like, great. But like, it, I, I didn't. And I'm grateful that I've had it now so that I can have pretty two awesome little humans that are hopefully also little humans he- awesome little humans and not assholes.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's really powerful. And I was joking about like, let's not bring up the relationship issues. But I think what you said was so powerful. Like, so i bring them up. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry. No, was you subconsciously, whatever took on these roles. And like, when I had these, when I had these fights with my husband, he's like, but I never asked you to do it like I didn't tell you yes. to do it but I was sitting there resenting him because I was like but you did tell me to do it he's like but no I didn't
1: yeah. <laughs> like but you did
0: <laughs> you're like yeah no, I didn't we both like subconsciously fell into either what we how we were raised or what we thought or what you see on tv or what society was telling you and that has caused so much angst and grief. And then, then you throw in like the whole having a kid thing. And then like, it's your body and they're not, their body doesn't go through it. And it's like, you don't have compassion. And like, we still working through some of that stuff, but like you said, the self-awareness is your superpower. And I really believe like any mental health. And again, like, let's break down other, like, when I say like, God, my role is to really Just that's another thing is like we've got to make that more accessible to everybody because everybody has a brain everybody has emotions everybody has mental health and my husband and I talk about this like so like exhaustively about like our kids and like we have a son and a daughter so I see both sides again from I always want to hop on my feminist soapbox and say like, oh my God, my daughter, like I'm doing this for her. So she doesn't feel how I feel, but I'm like, but I have this opportunity for this man right here to tell him, to show him, to teach him like how to create space for women, how to support women or like whatever that looks like. And we talk about this constantly, like the things that we've dealt with in our marriage to make sure we tell them. Because again, going back to like, people don't tell people things because it's
1: negative, yeah well, and i think I think about this a lot as a mom is especially because I spent so many years of my life shoving down emotions and I'm like a grade A compartmentalizer like I mean, the fact that like I went through a medical reduction and then like was at work on a plane like three days later, like <laughs> I think that's just, yeah, you're like, amazing like, yeah. like, <laughs> and but our kids are taught at such a young age to like not have emotions right and to suppress 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 and and I think that's even worse for males and I don't Mm -hmm. I don't have a son right but I think a lot about that and young boys and you know my husband and I talked about this in couples therapy um a lot about like you know I I was raised to to compartmentalize emotions but he was too and probably even more to a detriment yeah and so it is really interesting when you think about it from that angle of like the shit starts really young it does and so then and how do you then create spaces
0: Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears and not switch gears. But like when you were saying like things start really young and I've been my, well, I've been on a self-love journey, but for the month of July, I'm trying to be super annoyingly intentional with my self-love journey. And I've really been leaning into like the power of words and the energetics of the words you use and what you were just saying, like about men, which I think is very true. And, um, I even, I even do it. I know I'm guilty of it. And that's part of the journey, right? Is the way I will talk to my daughter, the words I will use to her to describe her, to support her are completely different than the words I use for my son to describe him or to support him. And like you said, it starts so young, like they're 11 and seven. So like, if I'm calling her pretty or beautiful, every opportunity I get, and I am calling him strong, every opportunity I get, like, I'm literally creating the same thing I fucking hate. Right. In our society and it, there's so much power in like the words that we use, just the words, like just if we can be that simple and like that granular, and that's another piece of this journey, I think. And going back to just the power of storytelling, right. Uh Is things. And I'm going to use the word patriarchy. (laughs) I feel like in, um, a masculine energy. We'll say masculine energy dominated society. We're always focused on like this really big, hard result. And we forget to create the spaces for the simple, easy, not even easy. I don't want to use the word easy, like simple things like creating, holding space for someone, witnessing someone saying, guess what? I see your emotions. Or do you feel angry right now? It's okay to feel angry right now. And like, to me, that's more like a feminine energy, but I I would say, I'm a great a suppressor. I don't think I'm very good at uh, putting things in buckets, but suppressing—that's my go-to. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna eat these carbs and drink this wine and put on this lipstick, and guess what? None of that actually matters. But when you were saying that, I was like, God, that's so true. Like, it starts so young.
1: Well, what I also love what you're saying is like we forget about like when I think about like the macro issues in society right now, right. Like, and so much of it is systemic. It yeah. feels so daunting. And I think you were the used the word hopeless, like earlier, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it can right. if you're like, Oh my God, I'm like one person. Like, how the fuck am I going to change this? Like, how am I going to impact this? And so what I love about what you're saying in terms of just like words, which I a hundred percent agree with. And I'm just as guilty of it as like anyone else. And I, go through sports of being intentional and then not, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. but is, um, like a micro action, right. It's like, I think we forget about like, what is like one small thing I can do every day? Like, how do you trick your brain into forming a different habit? And it starts small. It could be something like, you know, being as cognizant as the words used, which is actually not small. And it's actually like, that's a big thing. Um, and kudos to you. Maybe I'll do that next month. Um, but like, it could be something as like, I just, I'm going to drink enough water. Like well, my body is telling me I need water. Like I remember um, when, when I started to work with our mutual friend, Heather, like, like my like weekly check-in would be like, Oh, I don't need, I I used to drink two cups of coffee in the morning and then go to work and have a, like a latte. And what I was realizing is, and I swear there's a point to the story is that <laughs> like, I didn't feel good. Like, it, like, but I was doing it because it was a habit. And so like my micro action was like, you know, I like asked myself, like, do I need this latte? Was, like, no. And so it's to cut out the latte. And then it was like, do I need two cups of coffee? No. And now I'm like at like, I'll take a half a cup of coffee. Like I I haven't cut out coffee altogether, but like, you know, it's like this, such a silly thing. Like someone's listening is like, who the hell is this woman? But like, (laughs) it it can be something small and it, it snowballs into something bigger. Right. And so like, when we think about systemic issues, I think it's so easy for people, especially white people to be like, Oh, it's so fucking big. Like, how are we like, what are we going to like, what am I going to do? How am I going like, is my vote going to matter? And it does, especially at the local level. Um, I really believe that. And so creating those spaces, taking those micro actions, I think we forget about it, but they're so important.
0: That's amazing. So let me ask you this. So if you were focusing on self-love for the month, what would be your like micro action? So like, if I come to you and I'm like, oh my God, Jesse, which I kind of already did today, I'm struggling <laughs> and I'm just gonna like dump all my stuff on you. What's one micro action? If I came to you and I said, I really want to focus on self-love, but today I feel like I'm struggling with like what that actually is and how to get to the point of like fully Openly, like accepting myself, even accepting that I will have bad days. What would be like the one micro action you would give someone?
1: So I actually, I actually just talked about this on my podcast on Tuesday, which is the episode that I talk about. So my acro, my micro action for the next thirty days is I'm gonna write like, mm-hmm. and it, it, I'm not giving myself a limit. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying like, write five pages or like I, every day I'm going to put pen to paper and write about how I feel at that moment. And it could be five pages. It could be like a sentence. But what I've noticed about myself is when I start to to write and or journal, whatever word you want to use is like, when I get to the hard stuff, I stop. And so Mm -hmm. what I want to be able to do is train myself to like I recognize it but I still do it and so mm-hmm. to push past that and write and so for me writing a therapy so that would be the micro action that I would um encourage people to take well
0: you know 100% in line with that and anyone in my audience knows that like journaling is like my kind of go-to thing especially for Mondays I always create that space and um it's funny as like the journals that I um post on mondays i've never really talked about them but i just sit that those are the moments like i sit with myself and i think about like how do i feel what do i want to accomplish coming up and it just like flows there's so much power and a lot of times when i sit down i'm getting ready to write that i have no fucking idea what is about to come out of my head and i think that really is the power so before we uh wrap up here i have two more questions for you What projects do you have going on right now? Like if people are like, oh my God, Jessie's amazing. I loved all her um, stories and analogies and stuff like that. How can I get in touch with you? What other things do you have going on um, outside the podcast and all of that stuff?
1: Yeah, so thank you for asking the question. The um the easiest way to get in touch with me is through the um either through Instagram at this is my truth podcast or by listening to the podcast. And it's available on all major podcast platforms. Um, you know, Apple, Spotify, I feel like I have to say Google Podcasts. <laughs> don't know if people listen to that. Um, I know but, one person that does. <laughs> oh, good, I don't. <laughs> uh, I have an iPhone. Um, but um, so right now, I actually, today, I am launching a workshop series for people to um, on their moments and what I mean by that is it's a five week series and for anyone who has ever felt like they have a, a story burning inside of them or like a little voice is like, oh like I have I have something I need to say but I don't know how to say it or I don't know where to start or for anyone who's ever felt you know in the moment that they weren't able to express how they truly feel or they feel like they're hiding their their emotions to sort of fit in or frankly for even someone who just, you know, knows that they love to write, but they don't make time for it. I am Mm -hmm. creating a space for, for women to be able to, um, write their moments and, um, speak their truth. And so that launches today, Friday, the, what is today? July 10th. And depending on how it goes, I may run more of these in the future. Um, but it is, I'm excited because people will tangibly have at least five moments that they can then use. And what I'm finding is I'm attracting people who, you know, just find writing moments, like, therapeutic and helpful, but I'm also attracting people who, you know, I'm in sales, like, that's, that's what I've been doing <laughs> for the last 13 years, and I truly believe that to be good at sales, you have to be a good human, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is, like, you have to connect with people, and just, like, what we've been talking about this entire time is, like, connection comes from authenticity, and so um, helping these women who want to build storytelling into their business and attract more clients. Um, so it, it's been an interesting journey. So I'm excited to, to see where it takes people.
0: That's amazing. And I can't wait to sign up for some of your workshops that are coming up and I'm going to turn it around on you a little bit. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, what's the one truth that you want to leave the audience with today?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I think my truth today is that some of what we've been talking about, like we all have ups and downs and it's okay to admit that, like to, to really go inward. And I remember the first time someone told that to me and I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, what, what? What are you spewing? And even sometimes, I love Untamed by Glenn and Doyle Melton. But love. like, sometimes when I'm reading it, you're like, I just would go into my closet and I'd sink into myself. And I'm like, it's not that fucking easy. Um, <laughs> so even if it's just like pausing and asking yourself, like, what is it do I need? And then honoring it, it's not always easy, but it really does make all the difference. And when you are able to step into your truth and be able to speak your truth, there is a freedom on the other side that I promise you is unlike anything you've ever experienced. That's amazing.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. It was so great to just connect with you on a deeper level. So thank you.
1: Thank you. I love this conversation. I knew I would. (laughs) We (laughs) do.